Welcome to Apostolic Life in the 21st Century, a podcast dedicated to helping modern-day believers live out the teachings of the first century church. This podcast is part of the teaching ministry of Dr. David K. Bernard. Dr. Bernard has dedicated his life to studying the Bible and helping believers apply its message to their daily lives. In Apostolic Life in the 21st Century, Dr. Bernard answers your questions about what the Bible teaches and how those teachings apply to everyday life. Thank you for joining us for this broadcast. One is Pentecostals believe and teach that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, evidenced by speaking in other tongues, is necessary for salvation. We believe that every person who genuinely repents, genuinely, genuinely believes the gospel, is going to, to have this experience. And those of us who've been around a one is Pentecostal church for a long time, we've seen probably in some cases many people uh, who have come into the church and received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, maybe the very first time that they ever came to church or shortly thereafter. But then if you've been around a while, you've probably also seen some people that it just seemed like for whatever reason, they really struggled to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I'm sure that you encountered that throughout your ministry, especially during your time as a church a pastor in, in Austin. When that would happen, when you'd encounter somebody who just really seemed like they couldn't break through, weren't receiving the Holy Ghost for some reason, what advice or counsel did you offer them? What what have you seen that has kept people from receiving the Holy Spirit? And how did you um, approach that with people when that was the case? Well, to answer this question, let's start with the basics. Uh, God does want everyone to receive the Holy Spirit. And there are only two conditions in the scripture for receiving the Spirit. First of all, faith. And second of all, repentance. Acts 2.38, the classic statement of New Testament salvation says, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, we do know uh, from the example of Cornelius in Acts 10 that even before you're baptized, if you repent, open your heart in faith, you can receive the Holy Spirit. So baptism is not an, an absolute precondition, but repentance is a precondition for both water baptism and spirit baptism. And of course, faith is a precondition for everything. And specifically, Jesus said regarding the Holy Spirit in John 7, 37 through 39, he that believeth on me as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And John explained, this spake he of the spirit, which they that believed on him should receive. But the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Well, of course, Jesus has been glorified, so that qualification is long longer necessary. But both Jesus and John uh, assured us that when you believe on Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit. So I teach, and I think part of the answer goes, in all of our preaching, teaching, and counseling, and praying with seekers, we should explain simply everyone can receive the Holy Spirit if they open their heart in faith and repent of all their sins. That means if someone hasn't received the Holy Spirit, the two things we look for are repentance and faith. So let's say that I'm praying with someone for a time and they haven't received the Holy Spirit. I will usually stop them and talk to them and I'll explain repentance, especially if they're brand new. And I say, repentance means you surrender to God, uh, you confess your sins to God, you don't have to remember every single sin, but there has to be an attitude in your heart. And of course, a new person may not even know what all is sin. You, you don't have to make sure that they get rid of every sin that you know is in the Bible, but it, it's, it's an attitude of heart. 
that I surrender. I confess that I am a sinner. I make no excuses. I don't justify myself. I've done wrong. I, I want to change my life. I want to live a new life. Please forgive me of my sins. When they have that genuine attitude of repentance, then that's what's required. So many times people don't receive the Spirit because they're holding something back. In their mind, they're not willing to surrender. Um, and many times they may know what it is. They may be harboring a grudge or hatred or bitterness or something, a, a sinful lifestyle that they know is wrong. And while they do want relief in some way, they want to continue during their sins. They, they want to get rid of the feeling of guilt and they want to feel like they're not going to face the judgment, but they really would like to keep sinning if they could. Um, and so that attitude doesn't work. Um, Second Corinthians um, talks about godly sorrow works repentance. So there has to be a genuine sorrow for the sin, not just sorry you got caught. So maybe you got arrested. So now you come to church crying. You're not really sorry for your lifestyle. You just wish God would wave, make, wave a magic wand and take away the consequences of your suffering right now. Um, so that's not repentance. So for some, it's understanding uh, repentance. But then the next element is faith. So after I've led someone to repentance, I say, if you have truly confessed your sins to God, surrendered your life, you really want to live for him, you've asked God to forgive you, then once you've done all that, you're going to feel the weight of sin begin to lift. You're going to feel a relief because God is accepting you and forgiving you. And of course, they, they would then need to be baptized. But at that point, I say, you'll feel the change. And sometimes people quit right there because they feel, hey, that's, they may have been taught that, that salvation or they may just feel a change and they're good with that. I'm sure uh, that, that feeling can be very powerful sure, too when you've been real. Sin. Yes. Wow. And so I say, but that's the opportunity. Don't quit, but start praising God. So you'll never receive the Holy Spirit while you're begging or while you're pleading or while you're feeling guilty for your sins. You have to transition to accepting the offer of salvation and forgiveness and thanking God. So you must worship and praise and, and forget about yourself and focus on the Lord. So it has to be an attitude of faith and not just generically, you know, I believe Jesus is the savior, but I believe God will fill me with his spirit right now. And so I think many people do have faith to a point, but it's not actualized that, yes, I, I think I could receive this right now. And when I've talked to some people that struggle, while they believe in Jesus, they believe the preaching, they don't really think God's going to do it for them. God might do it for somebody else, but I'm a bad person, or I'm this, or I'm that. And so somehow they have to cross that hurdle. Now, how do you do that? That's where when people pray with the person, and there's an atmosphere of praise, everybody's worshiping together, then many times it clicks. The person makes that mental, spiritual transition of forgetting about themselves and their hangups and their problems and their fears and their doubts, and they're lost in worship, and they just receive the Holy Spirit begin speaking in tongues. Now, there is a biblical plan as well, and that's the laying on of hands. And, and I think we need to understand this more than we do because sometimes there's indiscriminate laying on of hands. Sometimes there, we don't lay on hands. So in the Bible, the laying on of hands doesn't automatically give you something. There's no power in the person, but it is symbolic. And it shows that when someone in spiritual authority lays hands on you, God is going to honor that and he is going to touch you. 
and it becomes a focal point of faith. So if the issue is, well, I have faith in general, I've responded to the message, I've repented, I have faith in Jesus as my Savior, but I'm not, I don't have faith that today, right now, this minute, God's going to fill me with the Holy Spirit. Well, how do you make, how do you break through that? That's when the laying on of hands could come into focus. So here's what I would, I do with the seeker. So I will tell them about repentance. And I'll say, once you've genuinely repented, I want you to begin worshiping God. Raise your hands. Be, speak out. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what I feel. I love you, Lord. Thank you for the promise. And when you're sincerely praying, I will lay hands on you as the Bible tells me to do. When I lay hands on you, at that moment, I want you to believe God is going to lay his hand upon you. And I want you to open your heart to receive. So when you give people instructions to focus their faith on that moment, many times, and I wait till they're worshiping and they're generally worshiping. So as far as I can tell in discussion and observation, they truly repented. And then they're truly worshiping, praising, and they have an atmosphere, uh, attitude of reception. Well, then when I lay hands on them, then many times that is the focal point of faith. They'll receive the Holy Spirit. Another way that happens is you lead them to repentance and then, you know, there, there's an end. They don't receive the Holy Ghost immediately. So then you explain water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, because that is the second step after repentance. You lead them to baptism, but you explain. Now, when you come up out of the water, according to Acts 2.38, you repent, you're baptized in Jesus' name, and then the next thing, you'll receive the Holy Spirit. And I actually say... When I say I baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the washing away of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So when they come out of the water, I say, I want you to worship God. You're going to feel cleansing, but don't just get up and leave. Start praising God, and then I will lay hands on you. And so many times people receive the Holy Ghost when they come up out of the waters of baptism. So if you teach people many times, They'll receive the Holy Spirit when they come up out of the waters of baptism or when hands are laid upon them after they repented. And so I gear my uh, appeals after my message to that expectation. And typically, I wouldn't pray for people in extended time. I'd pray a few minutes. And if they didn't receive, I'd stop them. I'd go through those two steps and and we'd try again. But rarely would we go on and on and on because there seems to be something blocking them. And uh, many times, uh, very new people, they're unfamiliar with the ways of God. And, and after they would pray, I would encourage them, say, you're learning how to yield to God. And it's very easy. You can receive the Holy Spirit anytime. It could be at home tonight when you kneel by your bedside. But you're just having to learn how to open up your heart to God, release. Uh, for many people, uh, they, they have mental, emotional hangups, uh, because of past experiences, because of their past church relationships or relationships with people in authority. And, and so they don't know how to just surrender. And so I explained to them in the process of prayer, God is leading you. God is ready to fill you at any time, but you're the one that has to let go and open up. Now there are, so I will just tell you over the years, I was raised in Korea where my parents were missionaries. And this is what they taught. And many times if they had a series of meetings, the first night or two, they would preach mostly on repentance. And then the, the last few nights, they would preach on, on the Holy Spirit. So they'd get the audience prepared, and then people would receive. So we found very few situations uh, where people would you know, tarry for the Holy Ghost a long time or come 
day after day or month after month. I think the way you teach and preach and pray and counsel, you can lead the vast majority of people to receive the Holy Spirit. And it is a matter of focusing the faith to receive at that moment. However, there are a few cases that seem to be challenging. Uh, I'll give you a couple examples. One is where maybe a person is so uh, because of their life experiences, suffering depression, been been abused, been been victimized, they just can't bring themselves to believe it's really true. And all I can say there is, you just keep praying, keep believing, keep encouraging. Uh, if they don't receive the Holy Spirit, don't let them feel discouraged, like I'm no good. Just say, no, you made progress, you've done well. And I just advise them, keep coming, keep praying, keep believing. It's going to happen. It's it's going to happen. It's a matter of time. Uh, and the other times, sometimes people actually do receive the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues, but because of their expectations, what they've been told, you know, they're waiting for a bolt of lightning or they, again, they can't believe it's happening to them. And so I've had those cases where everybody around them. So I, I heard them speak in tongues and they said, no, I, I don't think I did. And so again, you keep encourage them. And, and I, I never try to convince them, someone they receive the Holy Spirit, but I will tell them, look, you know, other people are telling me this. So I want you to lay aside your fears and just worship. And when they do start speaking in tongues, I try to encourage them. And then when they finish to say, did you hear yourself? And so, so for some, it's a matter of, again, trying to talk them through to realize, set aside all your preconceived ideas and just focus on the Lord. It's very simple. You're making it too complex. God wants to do this for you and it's going to happen. And I, I think I've been, as a pastor, uh, we were, you know, successful in almost every case. And to, to give you a little bit of encouragement, even the Bible, you do see there is a process. It's not intended to be a long process. In the, in the book of Acts, repentance, water baptism, and the Holy Ghost are all meant to occur simultaneously or near simultaneously in rapid succession. Somebody repents, you immediately baptize them, and they receive the Holy Spirit. Or, Repent and they immediately receive the Holy Spirit. And then when they finish praying, you baptize them. But uh, let's take the example in Acts 8, the Samaritans, they repented, they believed, they were baptized, but they didn't receive the Holy Ghost. And so the word was sent to Peter and John in Jerusalem. So it, it was about at least a two days journey from Samaria to Jerusalem and back. So there had to be four days. And then when Peter and John came, prayed for them, laid hands on them, they received the Spirit. At least four days. Um, the Apostle Paul, his uh, repentance on the road to Damascus, but three days later, Ananias prayed for him to receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, Cornelius, I believe, repent was already repentant, but God gave him a vision to send for Peter. It was four days later while Peter was preaching that Cornelius received the Holy Spirit. In Acts 19, the disciples of John at Ephesus, they had been baptized into John. We don't know, but it's probably days, weeks, months, could, could have been years so they truly repented, but they hadn't heard about the Holy Spirit. And that could be one reason that people have never really heard that the Holy Spirit is available, and so they don't seek it. Or maybe they've heard a little bit, but they haven't focused their faith to receive. So in the book of Acts, you do see a process. So I try to encourage someone, if they have repented, then they need to be baptized in Jesus' name. If they have done both, then it's just a matter of time, a short time. But there is a process, and even in the book of Acts, we, we see examples of that process. But I think if we preach it, teach it, uh, 
and encourage people, we will see it happen as in the book of Acts. And just one final point, uh, if you want resources on the theology, uh, see my book, The New Birth. And for a chapter on praying with seekers, see my book, Spiritual Leadership in the 21st Century. Thank you for listening to this episode of Apostolic Life in the 21st Century. If you enjoy this podcast, please take a moment to give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. We also appreciate it when you share apostolic life in the 21st century with a friend or family member. Finally, join us again next time as we look at how the Bible applies to everyday life.